Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. It's going to be a great day today. I'm so excited what God is doing. This is Pentecost Sunday, so I brought a little bit more, uh, I guess, I guess there's a little bit more fire than usual here today. And um, uh, we're rowdy every week, but uh, I would say that today would be particularly rowdy. And so this is a little bit more than you're used to. Just come back next week. We'll try to, we'll try to, we'll try to, we'll see. I don't know. No promises. It's going to be a great day. Uh, my name is Mark. My wife and I started this church about three and a half years ago. We've experienced what many would say is a modern day move of God. Uh, that, that really eight people from Boise, Idaho, which no one cares about Idaho until they want to move there. Would move here and see God move in a way that reached all social economic classes, would reach all different diversities of, of ethnicities and backgrounds and people types, non-believers, atheists, people that are the frozen chosen, people that are religiously stale, those that are on fire for God. And we've seen God reach all of the above. And we have been in a three and a half year miracle, uh, a move of God. And I believe that we are just getting started. I believe that when we move into the new building... You're going to watch as this room doubles and triples, and what will be great for the next season will be a short, short-lived season, um, and God's going to continue to do more miracles. If you're excited about it, come on, say amen. Well, I want to talk to you today. I want to thank my friend Dustin Bates, spoke last Sunday for us, did a great job. I listened to his message, uh, and I thought it was terrific, and I do believe that we're going to be people that possess the promises, and God's going to prepare us for them. And uh, Forrest Gump would say that Dustin is my bestest good friend. And I uh, love that guy so much. Him and Jamie are amazing. It's good to have good friends. All right. Well, today, if you're brand new to our church, I'm going to open the Bible up. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1. And uh, anybody that grew up in the church world knows when you turn to the book of Acts, something good could happen. And I want to just let you know it's Pentecost Sunday. And I know people always get nervous because when they, they hear Pentecost, they think crazy. Uh, but Pentecost doesn't mean crazy. It actually means 50. Pentecost was 50 days from Easter. And uh, basically, this is seven days after the ascension of Jesus. To give you a little Bible trivia, Jesus was crucified. He was buried on the third day he rose. We call it Easter. When he got out of the grave, he showed himself to 500 people. 500 people saw him. He walked the earth for 40 days being seen by 500 after those days, Acts chapter 1 picks up. It says that he talks to them, which we're going to read. And after he talks to them, he floats into the sky like David Copperfield. And they see him. And the angels show up and they say the same way you saw him leave physically, he's going to return physically. Same way that he blessed his disciples as he left, he's going to return. He's going to bless his church again. And as you saw him go, he's going to return. And so he gives some instructions before he leaves. And uh, many people think, the last words of Jesus were to go make disciples, but actually his last words were go and wait and uh, wait for the Holy Spirit, wait for the promise. So if you're taking notes today, we talked about building people. We've talked about building with purpose, building with power two weeks ago. Today, I want to talk to you about building with the promise, building with the promise, the promise, say the, the promise. Uh, I got to officiate a wedding last week in Mexico for my friend Shane and Sarita. She's from Bolivia. We love Sarita and Shane so much. And uh, anybody else wants to do a destination wedding, Tahiti, Bora Bora, sign me up. 
That was my first destination wedding. But I'm, I'm up for more of them. It was actually fun. We brought Ocean's Church to Cabo, Mexico. Four people got saved in the wedding. Uh, six people got baptized. We were doing the Lord's work while we were getting a sunburn. And I'm like, Lord, I could do this full time. So um, anyways, uh, if you have your Bible today, turn with me to the book of Acts. And uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, this is uh, arguably most important, one of the most important books in the Bible. Without Acts, we'd go straight from St. John to uh, Romans, and you'd be wondering what happened. <laughs> For anyone that's read the Bible, that was kind of funny. <laughs> What's the big deal? Romans. Well, we wouldn't know who Paul is, for one. We'd be like, what's going on? Who's Paul? Why are we, why are we talking about the church in Rome? We get to Corinthians, like, what is going on in Corinth? What, how did we go from resurrected Jesus to churches all over the world? Acts documents this journey. And uh, I want to read this today, Acts chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, and being there together, verse 4. Let's read a few verses together, then we'll pray. Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. First thing he told them to do when he got out of the, when he got out of the grave, after 40 days of walking with them, is he said, guys, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem, but I want you to wait. Say it with me, wait. Wait, wait for the promise. What are we waiting for? What did Jesus say to wait for? Come on, say it like you mean it, the promise. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John the Baptist truly baptized you with water. But there's one that comes after the baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come to him, they asked him, saying, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to take over global go government power? He says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but... You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be. doesn't say you might volunteer. It says you shall be. Witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts has 28 chapters. The first seven is talking about how Jesus gave him power in Jerusalem. And from chapter 7 to verse 12, he gave him power in Samaria and in, in Judea. And then the last, uh, from 13 all the way to chapter 28, to the ends of the earth. And uh, we're a part of that ends of the earth mandate. You guys ready to go? I want to talk to you today with building with the promise. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you, Holy Spirit. On Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the Christian church. Birthed out of a, out of a prayer meeting. Would you come once again? Would you come like a mighty rushing wind? Would you come with a fire? Would you come in a powerful way? Let it be a suddenly from heaven. Do something mighty today in our midst. We love you. We invite you. Have your way in Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said a good amen. Amen. I think it's interesting, you know, uh, inside of all of us, there's this desire from, the, from your earliest childhood. No one has to teach you this. But for some reason in our humanity, we always have the desire to say, I promise. I don't know what it is, but some of my earliest memories, I remember saying if something was very serious, I would force someone to what we called a pinky promise. No one taught me this. I didn't learn this on TV. It seemed to be hardwired inside of me that our, our anatomy has hardwired in it the desire to want to promise things uh, to guarantee something that we say. It's weird. You think about it. It doesn't matter what religion you grew up in, what color your skin is, what part of the neighborhood you grew up in. It's weird. Everybody grew up hearing the word, I promise. 
Even today, you have friends who are like, dude, I promise, go to this restaurant. You're going to thank me later. And really, there's only two types of promisers. There's those that you trust. And there's some of you guys. (laughs) Kidding. You know the one that refers to the movie and you're like, yeah, I had nightmares for six months. Thanks for the movie recommendation. You ever had that friend that recommended that, that restaurant and you're like, yeah, lost 12 pounds. I'm not going with your recommendations anymore. We had a family member recommend a movie. It actually turned out to be a good movie. Come on, Top Gun. The credits started playing. Rochelle went, USA, you. I was like, Rochelle, shh. Kidding. Seriously, though. Um, It's a good movie. Recommendation. But we've all been there before that someone has recommended something to you that wasn't good. And they said, no, I promise. It's great. You're like, no, it's not. It's not great. It's terrible. There's other moments that people recommend something to you and they almost downplay it. You ever gone into a movie with too much anticipation? You're like, this better be like the best movie ever made. You ever had someone tell you how great a movie was and you watch it and you're like, Avatar's not that good, okay? I was severely disappointed. It's like highest grossing film of all time and like, I got nightmares about blue people. (laughs) Stay with me, I promise. I don't know what it is, but I think that the, the desire to want to promise, I believe it comes from God. God is a promiser. God is a promise maker. The Bible says the promises of God are yes and they are amen. And it's interesting that from the origins, the 66 books in the Bible, God made promises to Adam. He made promises to Eve. He made promises to Noah. He made promises to Abram. He said, Abram, I'm going to bless you. I swear I'm going to bless you. And I have nothing else to swear that's greater than myself. So I swear by myself that I'm going to make you a great nation. And God made promises to people. Say with me, people. God made promises beyond people to nations. He told Joshua, I'm going to give you a promise land. And from the origins of the Bible, we find that God is interested in making promises to individuals. We call them covenants. And not only did he make covenants to peoples, he made covenants to nations. He said, I'm going to give you a promise land. I think that's why we're drawn to promises. Because God is a promiser. But I'd like to fix your attention on this one idea. In Luke, 20, uh, Luke 24, it talks about verse 49. It says that, it says that I'm, gonna, I'm gone, I'm leaving, but I want you to go wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I want you to wait for the, say it with me, promise. Notice in Luke and in Acts chapter 1, which we just read, he refers to the Holy Spirit as not a promise, but Basically, he's saying this is not just a promise, friends. This is not about making a deal with God. This is not about acquiring land from God. This is about getting God himself. This is better than a promise, a promised land. I am talking about the promise. And I want you to know that this is one of the greatest news that the message of Jesus came to give the earth was that today, ladies and gentlemen, you don't just need to get a promise from God. You don't just get to live in a promised land called Orange County. You have the opportunity to be filled with the promise himself. What a crazy idea. He said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise. I think God knew that they were going to need some help. Because last time I checked, when you're trying to start a brand new religion that is utterly new, with no money, 
with no proven leadership, with no technology. Oh, and by the way, everyone that believes what you're saying is going to be arrested. They're going to get beaten. They're going to be ridiculed, lose family and friends, and maybe even be killed for what they say. It's kind of a tough thing to sell. It's kind of a tough message to get, pe- to get people behind. Oh, you know, how like, uh, you know how like 50 days ago, everyone in the city, they were saying crucify him? You guys said he was a murderer, basically. He deserved to die like a murderer. Hey, I'm telling you that he's actually the savior of the world. Like he died like a murderer, but he's actually the savior of the world. And if you want to believe in him, you might lose everything. The prior arrest you, man. You'll be, you'll be doing service some time. But he's real. We saw him with our own eyes. I noticed this, that before Jesus said, go and make disciples, he said, go wait. I believe that our efficiency in making disciples of the nations is connected to our ability to wait until we're empowered from on high. I believe we have a world that's trying to make followers of Jesus, but we're living like lukewarm fans because we've never waited to receive power from on high. Pentecost is the celebration of 120 people. Let me, let me backpedal. Do you remember I said that there was 500 that saw him? Do you know there's 380 people that chose to live going to heaven, but settling for less than what Jesus died to offer? There was 300 people that went to heaven that never were in the upper room and experienced heaven on earth. As I was praying last night, God said, there's still people, there's still, there's still 380 on the earth. They want to go to heaven. They want their Christianity clean, proper, and neat. They want to be able to explain every single aspect of what they believe. And if there's not a logical, fully comprehensible response, they will refuse to believe in it. But I want you to know that if you try to wrap your head around everything that God has to offer, you will never be able to wrap your head around it. Friends, your eight-pound brain can't comprehend all the deep things of God. Can I get an amen? Frankly, I think the reason why the world is in the condition it's in is because we've tried to do the Great Commission without waiting from power on higher. We can't make disciples of America, Orange County, California, until we receive the same gift that the early apostles received. I would remind you that Peter was scared of junior high girls at a campfire, denied Jesus three times. I would remind you that, that Matthew was just a tax collector. That Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. All these people had dirty past. But somehow, 120 of them turned the world upside down because they had a baptism beyond just the water. They had a spirit baptism. I know in America, when you say spirit baptism, you say spirit-filled, you say Pentecostal, you say charismatic. Pretty much all of us that are a little bit maybe uh, more logically wired, we head to the cars. We head to the children's ministry. Let's get our kids before they break out the snakes. Let's get out of here before they get the Kool-Aid out, right? Let's, let's evacuate before it gets out of, out of control. But I want you to know that the building model for the early Christian church, and I want to remind you, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Orange County, that we have basically in Orange County, about, about 49% of Orange County believes in some sort of God. In the ancient world, only 120 If you were to take Christians compared to the rest of the population, it was one believer for every 30,000 non-believers. This is not like odds you go to Vegas with. 
You're not like, hey, let's put this all on the disciples. They're going to change the world upside down. This is bad odds. Jesus knew that they're going to change the world. They needed power from on high. Can I get an amen? So we read the story. He said, I want you to wait for the promise. The promise. I believe that we can receive the promise today, but we have to do what the early disciples did. First thing they had to do is they had to take God at his word. Most of you today that haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, somewhere along the way, someone told you to be scared, to be paranoid, to not believe in it. Somehow, somewhere, someone convinced you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for the early church alone. But it's interesting because people in Africa, people in India, people that didn't have these big, smart seminaries, that all they had was this book, they read this book, and what they saw, they got. And they saw the miracles in this book break out in their cities. But somehow in the Western world, we're so educated that people have talked us out of the promises of God. They have talked us out of the promise of God. And I believe that what will change California is a church that is full of the Spirit of God. We don't need more intellectuals tickling our fancies with their pedigrees and their thermostat to the degrees and their and their and their high highly uh highly educated minds i'm not against education but i believe that when we can hide behind our education and there's not a drop of god's spirit we have done a disservice to our region the church owes their cities encounters with the spirit of god and i believe that we'll experience the baptism the same presence the same power that the early church experiences with number one, say with me, obey. I believe that taking God at his word is saying, God, if you're saying to wait until I receive power from on high, I'm going to wait. Notice that 500 were invited and only 120 came. Today, I would say anyone that wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit can receive it. And what the sad thing is, even today, there'll probably be about 380 people out of the 120 that are like, I don't know about that. I got stuff to do. I don't know if I really fully understand all this. I'm going to do my best to explain it. But I want you to know at the end of the day, you choose how close you live to God. For me, I realize that everything in this world is trying to get me to be dark. Everything that I look at, marketing is trying to, just trying to make my mind perverted. It's trying to make my heart selfish. It's trying to make me cut off people to be, to be unforgiving, to be gossipy, to be slanderous, to be dishonorable. Everything in our world is absent of God's spirit. And that's why the church has to be so aggressive with inviting him back in. Come on, if I, if I can't get a good Baptist head nod, give me a, give me a Pentecostal hand clap, hand clap today. We need the Holy Spirit. And I believe the early church experienced this power from on high because, number one, they took God at his word. 120 said, no, 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 we're going to do this. Many people think they're spiritually mature because they can cite scriptures. Bible trivia does not make you mature. I heard a really smart man one time say that we don't need more revelation. We need more obedience. The truth is we know way more of God's word than we practice. And maturity is gauged by how much of God's promises you live out. What good is it to to say, forgive your enemy, if you don't forgive them? What good is it to know that I'm supposed to bless those that curse me, but I don't do it? What good is it to go, hey, I'm supposed to return the tithe and give offerings? I'm supposed to actually serve. The greatest is the servant of all. What good is it to know it here if we don't live it here? I believe that God is looking for a church that, number one, is obedient. And I think, quite frankly, sometimes conversations stop with God because somewhere along the way, you have a kill switch that goes this far and no further. 
I stop when it gets a little bit outside of my comfort zone. I want you to know that you will never walk on water if you live in your comfort zone. Peter is the only one outside of Jesus that ever walked on the water. Notice he didn't say, logically, I don't know how the molecules are going to sustain my body weight. I don't know how that H2O is going to sustain my 200-pound frame. He didn't do that. You know what he walked on? He didn't walk on water. He walked on God's words. He said, God gave me a promise. He said, come. So when he took this step, he wasn't walking on this. He was walking on this. And I believe that we still walk today on the promises of God. And if you want to understand everything in the Christian world with your intellect, I'm telling you right now, you will stay in the boat. Because there is things in God that are deeper than your understanding. I'm not saying you have to to turn your brain off and amputate, amputate your brain. I am saying, though, there are some things that are beyond your understanding. So what did he say? He said, wait until you receive power from on high. So they went into an upper room. There was 120 of them. Notice this, that the upper room, they call the upper room. And what I find is, is there's people in the church world that will never go to the upper room to pray. They'll show up to church for a famous preacher. They'll show up to church to a concert for a famous band. But I believe true revival is when normal people show up just to pray. They showed up to pray in an upper room. There's two types of people. There's those that pray, and they do it, and they're like, man, I'm excited. Or they won't show up to pray at all. And there's those that all they want to do is pray. I want you to know we got to find somewhere in the middle. Because we can't fall so much in love with the upper room that we forget that what he gave us is for the streets. The Spirit of God was not to have fancy services. The Spirit of God was to baptize six people in Cabo. The Spirit of God was given to me to preach the gospel, come on, by the pool to people that have never heard it before. Our message transcends our services. It's for the streets. Amen. It's for boardrooms. It's for classrooms. It's for, it's for living rooms. It's, it's, are you hearing me today? What God does inside of us is for the world. So we need to obey his voice. We got to, we got to number two, the Holy Spirit was poured out because they, they obeyed, took him at his word. Number two, they were actually willing to be unified. I think the weakness in the Christian church in America is that we've made minor things major and we've made the major things minor. I'm telling you that it's going to be very hard to unify the church over everyone's political party. It's not going to be easy to unify the church over everybody's personal convictions on money, on investments, on race, on racial reconciliation. Everyone has different ways of going about these things. I will tell you what will unify the church. It's the same thing that unified Peter, a ear cutter offer. Matthew, a tax ripper offer. I go on, there's more offers. The only thing that actually unified the early 120 was the large canopy of the resurrected Jesus. And when the church gets back to going, hey, I'll tell you what will heal humanity. I'll I'll tell you what will change the human heart. I'll tell you what will get rid of this nasty demonic thing called racism. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's called getting filled with the power of God. That'll get rid of that crooked mindset, that perverse heart, that stingy spirit, that wicked appetite. It is the baptism of the spirit of the living God that gives us a new nature. Can I get a good amen? This is what the church needs. And I'll tell you what will unify the church. It is the baptism of the spirit of God. I'll tell you what, Pentecost is the divided church's worst nightmare. 
there was something that happened in Acts 2 that unified the nations. It unified all tribes, all tongues. Pentecost was Babel flipped upside down. What Babel did through dividing languages, Pentecost did through uniting the church. And I feel like he wants to do it again in our day. There is a unity that comes as we preach, yes, believe, yes, repent, yes, baptize in water, but don't stop there. John the Baptist said, there's one coming that'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word baptized means to be submerged. Many of you have been water. Who's been water baptized? Raise your hand. Many have been water baptized. And the problem is, is many people settle for the 380 and the only baptism they know is water. And you'll go to heaven, and there is no pressure today. You're like, Mark, look, I, don't, I love this church. I love you. I love, I love the songs and the messages. But, like, the, the Baptist, the Holy Spirit, that speaking in tongues stuff, that's, like, a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. I don't know if I'm down with that. That's fine. You, you have your own choice. But my, my conviction is I don't want anyone to get to heaven and say there was things that Jesus died to give me that my pastor didn't teach me about. All right? So this is my conviction today. Are you all with me today? Truth is, I'm grieved because many people want the fruit of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit. They want the gifts of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit. How do you know? Because there's churches that deny the baptism of the Spirit, but they're obsessed with singing Spirit-filled songs. They deny the power of God today, but their favorite preachers to listen to are Spirit-filled preachers. People say, Mark, I don't know what it is. When you preach, I feel close to God. It's not that I'm smart. It's because I'm close to the Holy Spirit. I have been baptized. Beyond water, I've been baptized in the Spirit. I was 18 when I got water baptized. I was 19 when I got submerged in the Holy Spirit. And if you're not sure if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to know you haven't. I think I have one time. It was like that one summer. I had, like, I, I had a hard time sleeping, and I think I had like a dream about it. And I was like, yeah, I did. I think I, think I did. I think I did. No, no. That's like saying, have you been on a honeymoon? I think so. I'm not sure. I, uh, there was like a, there's, there was like a, like a 14 day window that Rashawn and I were together, but I'm not really sure if that was a honeymoon or not. No, 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 no. It was a honeymoon. There was some honey on that moon. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise him. Come on. Got an amen from the back. When you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's something that you can't, I don't, I don't know, dude. I want you to know that Acts 2 started because 120 were in a prayer meeting. And I believe if we're going to position ourselves to receive the Holy Spirit, three things we got to do. We got to be willing to obey everything that he said. Go wait until you're endued with power from on high. I'm telling you, whether you're a CEO, you're a school teacher, you're an educator, you're the future governor of California, we all need the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? We need the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. One more time, say amen. Come on, he's here. And beyond that, we receive him by obeying his voice. We receive him by being unified. It says that they are all one accord in one place, in one accord in one place. Everybody agreed that if the Holy Spirit's for now, we want him. And that's all I would tell you today is if, if let's just say you theologically don't agree with me and you go, I don't know if I believe that the Holy Spirit's still here, that you can pray in the prayer language. That's not for today. Let's just say hypothetically it was. Would you want it? And I believe we'll all be unified and go, hey, I want all of God that I can get. Anybody say, I want all of God that I can get? All right. So they were unified. And the third thing was, is they begin to pray. Church was born in a prayer meeting. It was born in a prayer meeting. And as they prayed, it says that tongues as a fire. It says suddenly. Say with me, suddenly. I want you to know that when, you, when you're actually in obedience, when you're unified and you're in prayer, there will always be heavenly suddenlies. 
First thing we see is a suddenly. Second thing we see is a sound from heaven. Notice it wasn't an earthly sound. It was a heavenly sound. This week on Thursday, I woke up in the morning to a heavenly sound. It sounded like a jet turbine engine in my room. It's crazy. I, I, I never experienced it before. And as soon as I heard it, the Holy Spirit says, that's a mighty sound as of my spirit in your room. And uh, one of my friends was like, I had the same encounter. And from that point on in my life, I, I felt like God took me to a higher level. That happened on Thursday this week. I had a vision last night of the largest baptism in the history of America. Last night. God's been downloading all this stuff. Listen to me. It's a suddenly, it's a sound, not from earth, it's from heaven. And it's mighty. Say it with me, mighty. When you get baptized in the spirit, notice this. Jesus came into the world quietly in Bethlehem as a baby. But the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he came violently, loudly into the city center of Jerusalem. And it was so dang loud that the whole city heard the sound. They came in, everyone's freaking out, and they heard these non-educated fishermen, these Galileans, which would be equivalent to having kind of a funny accent. It'd be like a southern drawl. And they are speaking fluently in their languages that they have never studied before. The word tongues in Acts 2 is the word glossae. It's where we get the word glossary. It's where we get languages from. And I want you to know there's much divide in the, in the body of Christ today. And I'll tell you what, if I was the devil, you know what I would do? I would make the people of God scared of the very thing that can change them the most. That's what I would do. I would say, oh, that, that spirit baptism that Jesus offered, that's beyond John's baptism. That's beyond Peter's baptism. That's beyond Paul's baptism. The spirit baptism, that's the one that Jesus died to give earth. I would make as many people in the Christian church scared of the baptism of the spirit as I could if I knew that was the single ingredient to changing people the most. And that's exactly what's happened today. Denominations have separated over this, this theological worldview. But I would like to remind you in 2022 that the early church was not divided. There was no disharmony when it came to the baptism of the Spirit of God. Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 14, he said, I wish everybody spoke in tongues. He says, I speak in tongues more than everybody else. Oh, and then he puts this little clause. He goes, hey, everyone should prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Now, I'm not like a theologian, I guess. Maybe I am. But I thought like if, if the apostle Paul said don't forbid something, I thought we shouldn't do it. But there's churches. I remember one professor in, in, in my friend's Bible college. He said, the only thing I caution you on is beware of anyone that teaches you about the Holy Spirit. And this guy crippled my friend's faith for about 20 years of his life because he tried to make him scared of something that Jesus died to give. Listen to me very clearly. If Jesus wasn't scared of the Holy Spirit's baptism, we shouldn't be. And if Paul, the greatest apostle to live, said, I speak in tongues more than anybody, we should want it. If Barnabas spoke in tongues, we should want it. If Peter spoke in tongues, we should want it. Can I get an amen? This isn't rocket science. Who wants to see the church of the Bible in Orange County? We can't do what they did without what they had. Acts 4, they prayed. Acts 2, they got filled the first time. Acts 4, the 120 got refilled. Acts 8, what happened, man? They prayed in Samaria. Peter and John laid hands. Everybody got filled with the Spirit, and they spoke in new tongues. 
Acts, Acts 9, the apostle Paul gets an encounter with God. This guy named, uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, Ananias. There he is. Ananias comes and lays hands on him. Brother Saul, receive your sight and receive the Holy Spirit. Paul gets spirit filled. We go to Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, the first Gentile non-Jew to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He gets filled, begins to speak in new tongues. His whole family does. Acts 19 in Ephesus, the greatest preacher, a disciple of John the Baptist himself. He says, we did not know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, what were you baptized in? He said, water, like John. He says, there's a new baptism. Paul laid hands in Ephesus, and guess what happened, ladies and gentlemen? They got filled with the Spirit. I was 18 when I got water baptized. I was 19 when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you, friends, that water baptism changed me, but so did the Spirit baptism. There's a church in our town, kind of a fundamentalist church. I won't say what it was back in Idaho. And they're like, speaking in tongues, that's of the devil. And I always joked, I always said, man, if speaking in tongues is of the devil, then hell has failed. Because every time I pray in my prayer language, I love Jesus more. I love the Bible more. I love people more. And I give more of my heart to God. If you know what I'm talking about, give him a good hand clap right now. Many people are missing out on the very power that you need to live like Jesus. And on Pentecost Sunday, I can't think of a better way to honor the birthday of Christendom that was born in a prayer meeting with obedient, unified, prayerful disciples that said, Lord, 380 want to play it safe, but there's 120 of us that we want to see California catch fire. We want to see revival hit our land in a way that Charles Finney, John Wesley, are you hearing me today? A.A. Allen, John G. Lake. We want to see something here and now that no one has ever seen before. Anybody with me today? Well, Mark, I don't know, man. I don't get it. There's, there's confusion with it. I want you to know that Luke, Luke chapter 11, 9 through 13, you know that passage that says, ask, seek, knock? Do you know the context of that? It's asking for the Holy Spirit. He says this, if you being evil, if your son asks you for bread, would you give him a stone? If you being evil, your son asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? If they asked you for eggs, would you give him a scorpion? Here's what he says, Jesus. If you then being evil compared to God, give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I always do this because some of you logical, smart people need to hear it. If you were to pray today, if you're single, God, give me a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And tomorrow, let's come on, let's make it sooner. Today, you look over your shoulder like, there's my Boaz. Listen to me. If you said, the Lord heard my prayer, I got a boyfriend now, I got a girlfriend now. Who would say, God heard my prayer? If you pray today, God, I need money for rent. And tomorrow, a check for the exact amount shows up. Who would say, God heard your prayer? If you're sick and God heals you in this service, which some of you will. How many would say God heard your prayer? Listen to me. What kind of logic have people ripped us off with that says if you ask for the baptism of the Spirit, somehow a a demon is going to intercept your prayer and give you some sort of demonic snake tongue? Do you really believe? And there's going to be a lot of Christians that are going to owe the Holy Spirit a good apology one day. Spirit of God. He's the one that cleans the church. He convicts us of sin and of righteousness. And he leads us into the truth. 
Some of you are stuck in your sins and you're dead in your trespasses because you believe in Jesus, but you've never been baptized with the Spirit. I am, I am pleading with you today that there is no greater baptism that you can experience today than the baptism of the Spirit of God. I'm not saying it's better than what I'm saying. They're both, they're both needed. Problem in many churches today is they just get up every Sunday and they say it's the finished work of Jesus, which I believe in, and that's it. Sit on your hands. You go to heaven one day. And stay dead in your trespasses. Stay in bondage to your darkness. And live the same way that you did before you came into the church. I want you to know, friends, that when they said to Peter, Peter said, repent, be water baptized. They said, what shall we do? And he said these things, repent and be water baptized. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know what's crazy? The first word of revival, I know we don't like it today, but it's repent. John the Baptist, his first message was repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, his message was repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here's the problem. We've heard some weird, angry Christian at a sporting event that probably doesn't even know God. Screaming at people, turn or burn, repent. Here's what repent means. It means to turn everything you have towards God. And in turning towards God, you actually look away from what he hates. I would tell you today that if you want to believe, you repent. I'm turning away from who I used to be, and I'm turning fully into who he is. I'll get water baptized, yeah, and then I'll get spirit baptized. Well, I don't know about speaking in tongues, Mark. It says it's only for one reason. No, there's four reasons we speak in tongues. Two are for public use, two are for private use. The first one's an act. Are you still with me today? I'm going to give you a quick foundation. So when your one friend that's convinced that God doesn't move anymore tries to argue with you, you have something to talk to him about. You ready? Two public, two private. First one is this. We speak in a prayer language. God baptizes us with a prayer language, number one, so that we actually have the gift of tongues. We don't control this. It's Acts 2. When they were speaking how awesome God is, they were baptized. They had no ideas. They were speaking fluently in another language. I've had moments in my life that I spoke in Spanish. I didn't know it. I spoke in a different language. I didn't know it. I was just speaking my prayer language. I'll never forget. It was a Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry. It was a Wednesday night. A youth service. One of the popular girls in our youth ministry invited her friend. She, was, she spoke Spanish. And I was praying in the spirit at the end to build my faith. That's one of those I'm talking about. Kind of like right here. And I should have bought a Kia. Would have bought a Honda. Right? I'm talking about Kawasaki. I was building my faith. And this girl, real popular girl, she leans over to this girl in our youth ministry and she goes, what's he doing? And the girl in my youth ministry is like, thanks, Pastor Mark. Why do you have to freak people out when I invite my friends? Why do you have to talk about the Holy Spirit, Mark, on Pentecost Sunday when my mom's here? Listen to me. I'll tell you why. Because everyone in this room needs what I'm talking about. You want to live holy? You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You want to live pure? You can't do it without the pure Holy Spirit. You want to live in power? You can't live in power without the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God that gives us the strength of God. This girl goes, uh, he's speaking in a heavenly language. She goes, no, he's not. He's speaking in Spanish. He keeps on saying it over and over again. Let us love one another. Let us love one another. Let us love one another. There was a missionary. I spoke at a church in Mexico City, Cornavaca, just outside of Mexico City. There's 15,000 people at this church I spoke at. They oversee 500 churches. It was started by an albino Canadian missionary. Didn't speak a lick of Spanish. He went to Mexico City, Cornavaca. His interpreter didn't show up. 500 people did though. And he said, God, what do I do? I don't speak Spanish. 
And he said, in his prayer time, the Lord said, speak in your prayer language. And this guy in the early 1950s got up in a tent like this with 500 people. And in his prayer language, he spoke fluent Spanish for 30 minutes. 500 people gave their lives to Jesus. And today, there's tens of thousands from that one meeting. I can tell you story after story. 1 Corinthians 14 says that speaking in tongues is a sign to the non-believer. What's a sign? How would you speak in a language you didn't study? Spirit of God. But that's just one. And the problem is we build these creeds around one of the four appearances. So that's the first one. Second one that's public use is the Bible says that in a prayer meeting or whatever it is, 1 Corinthians 14, 6 through 17, that you speak in tongues and someone will interpret it. Some people say, don't speak in tongues unless someone's there to interpret. Yes, if it's a public gathering, a prayer meeting, yes, someone should interpret it. And for those of you that are spooky weird, I want to remind you in Acts chapter 2, as soon as Peter began to preach in Greek, all the disciples stopped speaking in tongues. It wasn't this crazy hodgepodge meeting that everybody was speaking full volume when Peter was trying to preach over the top. There was order. Can I say that's Orange County? There was order. I feel like Orange County has either the power and it's crazy, or there's order and there's no presence. The Bible says to do all things in order. Somewhere in the middle here. And some are like, I don't know about this, Mark. You're going to know about it in a second. When the Spirit of God heals your body. And tears stream down your face because God starts to actually clean out your soul. You're going to like it then. How are you so bold about this? Because I've, I've been there before. I cried for an hour and a half on the floor under the power of God. My body shook. My physical body couldn't handle the majesty of the our infinite God. And he's going to fill these tents in just a moment here. And when he does, he doesn't force himself on anybody. If you want to put your hand out and stiff arm God today, that's up to you. I would tell you he's a gentleman. He's not going to take control of you. Some of you are scared to pray this prayer because you're afraid that you might be at the mall this week and grab the microphone at Gelson's. Start Sean dying. It's not going to happen. God's a gentleman. He'll give you utterance, but listen to me, he doesn't, he doesn't possess you. You have choice of when you want to speak in tongues. So I want you to catch this. I'm going somewhere. Is one's a gift, one's to be interpreted. Those are both for public use. Number three, you guys with me still? In the Bible, we speak in tongues because number three, the Bible says in Jude verse 20, it says that men pray in the Spirit to build their most holy faith. You know why some people don't really have big faith? Because they don't have the gift of speaking in tongues. It's a heavenly language that builds your faith. Paul understood all mysteries, had all knowledge, could speak to mountains to be removed. How? He was baptized and he built his faith up as he spoke in the Spirit. He says, I wish everybody prayed in the Spirit. I wish you would prophesy. I wish everybody in America today had the power of God in their life. I'm going somewhere. I want you to catch this. Is we build up our faith. That's the first private one. There's moments when I'm praying during the week. Some of you are like, man, I love it when that preacher preaches because I just feel close to God. He's probably someone that prays in the Spirit. That's what's so funny to me. I don't believe in that, but you love all the preachers. I don't believe in that, but you love all. That song makes me cry every time. It's because they've been baptized by the Spirit. I've listened to songs by people that don't, that weren't baptized in the Spirit. Dry. I'm telling you right now that we're going to be a church 
that is bold about inviting the Spirit of God to come back in again. Do all things in order. He's coming today. Last thing I would tell you is this, is it says in Romans 8, 26. Just two verses before that tattoo on your ankle. Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 26 says this, that when you don't know what to pray, it says the Spirit of God Himself will pray through you. With utterances, watch me now. Doesn't say English. Doesn't say Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. It says this, in utterances and groanings that cannot be understood. Do you know why God gives you the gift of speaking in tongues? Listen to me very close right now because this is, this is going to come in handy one day. There's going to be a moment of your life that's so important that your English, your Spanish, your native tongue isn't going to be able to do your soul justice. You're going to feel a burden on you that when your English runs out, the burden still sits on you. And you're going to go, God, what do I do? I don't know what else to pray. I was eight, I was, I was 19 years old. I got woken up by God at three in the morning. And all I could think about my, was my brother, John. He was living in California. I was in Idaho. And I knew that John was in trouble. And I said, John, please God protect John. Please watch over John. Please, please put angels around John. Uh, 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 please protect John. Put angels around John. You ever run out of your words real fast? And one of my Bible professors said, you know why the God gives you the gift of speaking in tongues? Because like a fax machine, you're going to make these weird noises. Your mind's going to go crazy. But the Spirit of God's going to go, money. And it's like Steph Curry just putting it in one after the next. And the Spirit begins to pray through you. And you start going, Shalamandes, Kelededes. And you're like, what is going on right now? And my mind doesn't know what's going on, but my spirit is connecting with the Spirit of God. So you know what I did at 19? I ran out of English and I started speaking in my prayer language. You know what's crazy? It lasted for about, I don't know, 15 minutes. I started getting fiery. I'm like, ah, it's going crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, I turned into my grandma. I finished praying, hear me now, and then I, the burden lifted and I went to sleep. The next morning I woke up to a phone call at 7 o'clock from my mom. She goes, Mark, I got bad news and I got good news. Bad news is your brother got in a car accident last night. John, 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, what happened? She said a pickup truck hit the side of his Honda Civic going like 40 miles an hour. His car turned into a taco on his driver's side. The officers got there and they thought it was going to be a dead body. They told him he should be dead. He got out of the taco Honda Civic with a couple scratches on his body. It was a miracle. I didn't know what to pray, but the Spirit of the living God did. And we need a county that knows how to pray in the baptism of the Holy Spirit once again. I'm not ashamed. Some of you might be embarrassed, but I'll tell you right now before this this entire crowd, the fastest growing church in the world is the Spirit-filled church. Africa, Asia, China, around the earth, where there is a, a church baptized by the Spirit of God, there is a revival. The only churches that are shutting down are the ones that have pushed Him out. And we're going to open up our doors. And we're going to see the largest baptism that America has seen. We're going to see the move of God hit America, starting here in California, that's going to rocket politicians that are godly, that are going to rocket CEOs that are godly, 
that are going to change industries, change our political system, change our healthcare system. God will raise up the righteous. If you believe it, give a hand clap and a shout of praise. He's here. He's here. He's here. I wonder if there's anybody here that says, Mark, I'll take God at his word. If the baptism of the Spirit is for today, I want it. I would say, would we all be unified if this is real? If it's what changed Peter in from being a coward? How do you know it changes people? Because Peter was a coward. But when he got filled with the Spirit of God, he stood up. And in one moment, he didn't sit down like a rabbi teaching. He stood up like a herald proclaiming. And he stood up and he proclaimed that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. 3,000 people got saved. The church went from 120 to 3,120 in one day. 3,000 got baptized. I want you to to think about this. We're going to do a baptism in 12 to 24 months that's going to be larger than the book of Acts chapter 2. I tell you before the Lord, I saw it. It's coming. We're going to be a part of it. A spirit-filled church is hell's greatest nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, Lord Jesus. We're not going to get spooky or wacky, but I tell you this, we are not going to be scared to swim in the deep end of God. The deep end's only scary when you can't swim. And honestly, if I could simplify what God told me, He said, Mark, go to California and teach people how to swim in the things of God. We got people drowning in crazy churches that are deep, and we got people living in dead churches that are shallow. Where are the churches that'll teach the body of Christ how to swim? I want everything that Jesus died to give us. Here today, eyes closed, heads bowed. Two groups today. First group, you've never been baptized by the Spirit, and today is your day. It's not for some, it's for all that want it. You have the choice to be a part of the 380, or you can say, I want all that Jesus is offering. I'm going to be in that upper room. I'm going to be part of the 120. I'm going to be at Pirate's Cove when there's 10,000 people there and 5,000 getting baptized. I'm going to be there that day. I'm going to be in that picture that's on the cover of CNN, Fox News. I'm going to be there when syndicates are capturing a revival. I'm not sitting on the sidelines. I'm going to be in the water baptizing people. Where is that church? It's here. It's now. Two groups today. Mark, I've never received my prayer language, but I want it. If it's for today, I want it. I pray in the Spirit to intercede. I build up my faith. It's interpreted in public. And sometimes God will give me a language I didn't study. It'll be a sign to the unbeliever. God, I want all that you died to give me. You've never received the baptism. I want you to lift your hand real high. We're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit in this church. I want everything that Jesus died to give me. Awesome. You put your hands up and down. How many here today, Samar? I would love to get refilled. I got filled 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Some of you had one experience. But you didn't realize that's supposed to be with you the rest of your life. You're supposed to use it daily, not once in a lifetime. I pray in the Spirit every day. I pray in the Spirit literally every single day of my life. You ask my kids. Last night, my oldest daughter walked into my closet when I was lying on the floor praying in the Spirit. Can I ask you, what what do you want your kids to catch you doing? I want my kids knowing that my dad knew how to pray in the Spirit. Yeah. We're raising world changers in my household. Yeah, we're not ashamed of the power, not ashamed of the spirit of the living God, not embarrassed by what makes the church powerful. 
Come on. Other churches might be scared, but we aren't scared. We're not embarrassed. We love. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. Monday, they do. He's here. He's here. All over the room today. Eyes closed. Heads bowed. Can I just say one, one thing and I'll, I'll wrap this up? 19 years old, I was at a camp. And just like this, the preacher said, anyone that wants to be baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of a prayer language. Look, if you're a Christian, you already have the Spirit of God living inside of you. I'm not arguing that. That's semantics. I'm saying that you've never received a prayer language, which you know when you have. He said, do you want to receive a prayer language? I'm like, I guess. So I raised my hand. He said, I want you to... God's going to give you a sound. He's going to give you a syllable. He's going to give you a noise. He might even give you a word. And, you, and I want you, just like you gave your life to Jesus, to do it by faith. Just like you got water baptized, do it by faith. Just like you return the tithe and give offerings, do it by faith. Everything in the kingdom of God is by faith. So, I'll be really honest with you. He said, whatever God gives you, just say it. All I saw in my head is I saw two letters, duh, D-A, duh. I thought it was stupid. Because everyone I've ever heard speak in tongues, it sounds like a language. It doesn't sound like a syllable. But I want to remind you that before you speak English, you say dada, ma, ma, before you speak in sentences. And your prayer language often is the same. It starts with a, a, a syllable that is declared in faith. I repeat for those watching online, when you ask for the Spirit of God, He will come, but He'll give you a sound or a syllable. Speak it by faith. And as you steward that by faith, he'll give you more. So here's what I did. I said, da. He said, say it again. I said, da. I felt like an idiot. He's like, do you want the Holy Spirit? I said, da. He says, who's hungry for the Holy Spirit? I said, da. And at some point, listen to me very clearly. I knew it was crazy up here. But I knew that it was biblical in here. And I said, God, I want all that you're offering me. So I started going, da, 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 da. And at some point, it was like a, a dam broke inside of me. And the flow of God's Spirit began to pour out of my mouth. Hear me very closely. I shared the story in Europe, and there was a, there was a, a Slavic kid there that said, do you know what da means in my language? It means yes. Do you know that when that guy said, you want the Holy Spirit, you were saying yes. You want to get baptized today? Yes. You want more of God? Yes. So I say before everyone here today, every ounce of God that we can get. If you've never received the baptism, He might give you da today. He might give you ma. He might give you a syllable. I want you to close your eyes. If you want the baptism, you've never received it. You might have been a Christian for 40 years. That's all right. You can receive a prayer language today. Online and in the room. I want you to lift your hands. If you've never received it and you want to receive it right now, hands up all over. We're not ashamed of this. If their hands aren't up, they probably already speak in tongues. Last service, I was shocked. 80% of the room raised their hands and said, I pray in the Spirit. 80% of our church. We either have 80% of our church as wackos, or this is legit. I would say this is legit. If someone's hands up next to you, go ahead and put your hand on their shoulder right now. Just one or two people. Find someone next to you right now. You can't talk with your mouth closed, and you can't receive a prayer language with your mouth closed. So I'm going to lead you in one prayer, and after I lead you in a prayer, we're going to sing the song, as we sing this song, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, give me, a, give me my prayer language. 
I'll speak it out by faith. I'll speak it out by faith. And you watch like fire, liquid fire, like a, like liquid love is going to touch you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Some of you are going to be healed of cancer. Some of you are going to be healed of eating disorders. Some of you, your cocaine addiction is going to be broken today. God is going to fill you with his liquid presence, his love right now. All over the room today, say, Holy Spirit. Come on, ocean, say, Holy Spirit. I ask you for the promise. I ask you for the gift. I ask you for the comforter. I ask you for the Spirit of God to baptize me now in Jesus' name. Don't do it crazy loud, but as loud as you talk, just come on, begin to speak it out. Come on, just speak it out by faith. If you have a prayer language, begin to speak it out just a little bit right now. Come on, he's here. Come on, he's moving, he's moving.
Spirit, I pray that we would know what it is to love you with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our strength. I pray that you would baptize us. John promised water baptism, which is awesome. It's where it begins. But I pray that we would be a church, not like the 380 that are satisfied with just going to heaven. Let us be like the 120 that are willing to wait until we receive power from on high. I pray that you would fill our church from the stay-at-home mom to Lord, the CEO, business person, I pray, God, that everyone in between, that, God, we would be those that would be filled with the Spirit of our God. You know what they said about Daniel? It says, this is a guy that the Spirit of God lives inside of. They said that Paul and Barnabas were like gods. They said, man, this is like Apollos. This guy's like, or this, this guy's like, Apollo. This, this is like a Greek god. This, this guy has God living inside of him. He did. It's called the Holy Spirit. And I pray today, Lord, that you would fill our church so full of the third person of the Trinity that we would have the fruit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit does two things, friends. He will make you intimate with God to know Him deeply, and He will give you power to witness, power to be a light to a dark world. Many people are fans of Jesus, fewer followers, because they're not full of the Spirit. But I pray today that we would be a church that would invite you all the way in, in Jesus' name. Now watch this, he's healing. Someone has like, like meningitis or some sort of symptoms like meningitis God is healing you right now or someone in this section of the tents over here you have some sort of severe issue with your spine God is literally straightening your back out right now there's someone in that back tent right now you spent money on doctors they're trying to do tests on you you don't know what's wrong with your body there's symptoms that they can't cure there's medicines they can't even prescribe they don't know what's wrong with you the more money you've spent, the worse your body has become. But that back tent, I heard the Lord saying, you watch how I send my word and I heal you today. 
There's someone in this middle tent right now. There's like four people in this middle tent. You have an eating disorder, and God is healing you right now. There's 16 people that have a drug addiction right now in this service that are being liberated as God, as they give God all of their heart right now. Yeah, no more opioids, no more cocaine, no more methamphetamine. Lord, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. There's someone over here in this far tent. You're actually grieving the loss of your animal. And God says, I'm going to comfort you today. And as I comfort you as you lost your pet, you watch how I fill your heart again. Some of you, you've never known Jesus. And God says, if you care that much about an animal, imagine how I feel about you as my son, as my daughter. And he's inviting you to have a relationship with him today. I'm out of time. But here's what we do. Two things. If you need a healing in your body, lift your hand. The Spirit of God is in these tents. You might not like my message, but you like the power that's in this tent. Lift your hands if you need healing today. He's here to heal. I see someone's spine getting straightened out. You know, this time last year, there was a girl in our church that got healed of terminal cancer. She had blood cancer, got healed in these tents. Listen to me. Lift your hands right now. If someone's hands up next to you, just lay your hand on their shoulder. It doesn't take long for God to move. Everyone gets a hand on their shoulder. The Bible says we'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I know we're going long today. It's Pentecost Sunday. We'll be back on time next week. Promise. Lay your hands all over the tent. Say, Jesus, I declare by your name, by the power of your spirit, that you would heal, you would liberate, you would feel in Jesus Christ's name. Holy Spirit, top of their head, soles of their feet, we loose healing and we bind sickness in Jesus' name. You receive that prayer, say amen. Last thing we do, bring it down just a little bit, Ben. I know we could go for two hours. We'll do that in heaven. Here, listen, we're almost done. Last thing we do today, again, I'll never apologize for going long, because it's all go long as long as God is moving. But we're almost done. I'll have you out of here in like four minutes, I promise. Last thing we do, if you're not living for Jesus, you're cut to the heart. Peter's words cut him to the heart. And I believe God is cutting you to the heart right now, going, you're not living fully for God. You might have a, a head knowledge, but not a heart surrender. And God is after your heart today. He's cutting it. It's almost like you feel like your heart's bleeding right now. I need God in my life. I want God. I want to know Him deeply. You never believed or you, need, you walked away from God. Let's rededicate our lives today. All over the tents today, there was 11 in first service. Many more in this service. Would you do me a favor? Every eye closed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I need you to raise your hand though. Get bold for God and God will get bold for you. Raise it real high. I'll give you three seconds. One, God, speak to every heart right now. There's hands going up. Thank you. Two, more hands going up right now. I need to give my life to Jesus. Get right with God now. Three, real high, real high. Keep it up. One, two, three, four, five. Real high. Six, seven, eight. Real high. Real high. Nine, 10, 11, 12. Real high. 13, 14, 15. Real high. Yeah, 16. I see you in the very back tent. Everybody at Ocean Church, pray this prayer as we close. Say, Jesus, I acknowledge today that my life was meant to be lived for you. So today, I invite you to forgive me of my sins. I invite you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask you 
to speak to me, to guide me, and to lead me from this day forward in Jesus Christ's name. And everyone that prayed that prayer said amen. Say with me, Bible. Say with me, church. Say with me, small group. Christians love their Bible. They love the church. And they're involved in a small group. I want to encourage you to do all three. Next week, we start a series called The Promise. And I'm going to teach you about the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm going to teach you about the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to change Orange County. Y'all ready? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.